Hello and welcome to the Hitman's Last Great Year, a Smack Attic podcast project. We are talking about Bret Hart's final year in the World Wrestling Federation, which was roughly 1997. I am your host, Matt Vaughn, and each week on the podcast, I have a guest co-host with me. This week, coming back, my pal, your pal, hopefully, if you have that kind of parasocial relationship with the podcast, Krista Matrenko is here. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Matt. Happy to be here. That's great. I mean, we last, it, it's been a while, right? We had you on, let's see, there was raw early January. So we were coming back. We were, you we were heading towards Royal Rumble. Now we're, uh, you were coming off of final four and Chris, this is an interesting episode because we're talking about the Monday night raw from February 17th, 1997. It aired live in Nashville. And, uh, this is a show that has two little fake outs. They say they promised you a couple of world championship matches right off the top, and they and they change it. They do halfway through the episode, they change it again. How'd you feel about the fakeouts? Well, I, I don't mind them in, in principle. I think that it can it can build hype for a match. The fact that they were both kind of samey, though, um, you know, maybe if there was a like you know, a very different reason why the match was rescheduled the second time. I'd be a little bit more tolerant of it. That wasn't my favorite aspect of storytelling. At the same time, though, uh, when the show, like, kicked off and I saw that, like, wow, okay, Bret Hart, Sid, this is happening. Um, that did get me, like, pretty pretty pumped about the show. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think I, I, when you're watching it and they start off with the world title match, my first thought is always, like, how are you going to justify this to me? How is this not the main event? Like, what do you, what could you possibly say or do in this situation, right? Right. Like, there could be, like, it could be really short for, like, some screwball reason. Or, I mean, I feel like AEW has done this as, as well when they've done these, like, they've done these big world title matches on their shows and they start off with it, I think, in part to be like, look, we might go, you know, we, it might go an hour or something like that. Right. But I'm always kind of like, I, I'm so trained as a fan to be like, I want the main event, especially for a match that if it's going to be like 20 minutes, yeah, I want it to be, you know, all guys coming out with, you know, 25 minutes left in the show. Like, I want to I want to have that experience. So I, I always feel like when they do that, I'm like, hmm, what's going on here? I, in a way that may not be helpful to them because I'm always I'm thinking around the situation. So you're, you're uh, thinking specifically of that uh, CM Punk Moxley match. And it, yeah, that one came to mind. There's another one, I think, earlier, too. There was been like there was like a, or maybe it was a Danielson Omega one. Some of these things blend together. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as as they kind of make sense that they will. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we often talk about how uh, we have bonus matches on the show when Bret Hart doesn't wrestle because it is the Hitman's last great year. And we won't need that tonight because he's going to be defending his yeah. newly won WWF championship against Psycho Sid. Because what happened on last week's episode was that it was in your house final four. And the only match that really mattered was the main event. And it was chaotic and it was awesome. And Bret Hart came out on top. He recaptured the WWF championship. And he's confronted, rather, confronted shortly afterwards by Psycho Sid. Psycho Sid gets a title shot on Raw. It's kind of this convoluted thing where the Thursday before, Shawn Michaels drops the title. And then he Brett wins the title. But also Sid was owed a title match. It's going to be happening on Monday. Bit convoluted, but also they didn't expect Shawn Michaels to get hurt and or kind of half quit. So I can kind of forgive it. I, I can at least forgive it a little bit here. Uh, so that's what we're getting into today. Now. Let's talk about what the good folks in Nashville saw before the show. And they show they, this is where they start taping Shotgun Saturday Night before Raw. I think it's the, the first, I think it's the first episode where they started doing that, or just about that. So instead of them doing this show at a nightclub, they're actually doing full-on 
show. So here's what happened. Um, there was a dark match, a couple dark matches here. Kind of total random people. Jackie Fulton defeated Ed Rock. I mean, that could have been um, – that sounds like two uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame guys from, like, the 1950s. Like, Ed Rock, Jackie Fulton. They don't sound like anybody – they don't sound like wrestlers to me, at least. And then uh, a guy named Bob Hawley defeated Freddie Joe Floyd. So we know Bob Hawley. Of course. He's been around a little bit. And then on Shotgun, Goldust defeated T.L. Hopper, who is a wrestling plumber. He's still around in 1997 for a little bit at least. The Godwins then defeated the Headbangers by disqualification. Uh, and it's funny because this match is actually on YouTube, so I threw it on because I don't have—I have too much free time, Chris. I guess is what, what that must be the case. Uh, and so the new Blackjacks—that's Blackjack Bradshaw and Blackjack Wyndham. So that's Bradshaw, JBL, and Barry Wyndham. Oh, I forgot they were a tag team. Yeah, ah. they ran—they ran down and attacked everybody. Uh, and, and they took out the Godwins. So that's sort of the headbanger because it's the Blackjacks. And that ended up by disqualification when the Godwins came back and attacked everybody. So I don't know. There's kind of some screwy stuff with disqualification things. The other thing, the awkward thing for me right now in this moment is that at the time of recording, because this, this will be coming out uh, a little bit later from when we're recording this, uh, it'll be coming out in March. Uh, and it is not March here. Uh, in this part of reality uh barry windham is in the icu so i hope he's okay by the time you listen to this but you also might have been mourning him i don't want to anyway hope barry windham's fine i didn't i didn't know that okay but he is uh you know legendary legendary wrestler not nearly known for his new blackjack stuff but anyway hope he does well but we're so delayed when this podcast comes out i say delayed i'm ahead of i'm ahead of the curve and things are going great and i'm organizing on top of things it just so happens that every now and then i'm like is that wrestler alive still and it's kind of sad it's it's hard for me to remember like where what year i'm supposed to be pretending to be in like i feel it's 2023 like I, chris it's march things are going well i hope the economy's better i don't know <laughs> but when i'm doing the podcast i feel like oh no i'm supposed to I'm supposed to pretend it's 1997 right <laughs> uh like sort of right. like like in a way like like storyline we're in 1997 now, like as right. part of the WWE universe. Um, okay, okay, so um, 2023, got it. Yes, but but I appreciate what you're saying too, because it's also going through this. It's like, okay, look, we can all pretend like we don't know what happens throughout the year, but it's kind of more fun to be like, what happens at WrestleMania? What happens in April? And hopefully, you maybe kind of uh, listening or at least or maybe even watching along with us. It's gonna be kind of fun. Uh, in the main event of Shotgun Saturday Night, Crush defeated the British Bulldog. And I, I have to figure there's probably some chicanery going on there. Uh, so that was before the show uh, in Nashville. And let's talk about Monday Night Raw for February 17th, 1997. And we begin with Psycho Sid's music playing and Sid is making his way to the ring. It's time for Psycho Sid versus Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. Bret Hart is defending. Uh, and as Sid's pyro burns behind Sid in the ring... JR tells us we're going to get an update on Shawn Michaels' condition tonight. It sounds bad. It makes it sound pretty pretty dire. So uh, it's only – also, by the way, it's only JR and Lawler. So we don't have Vince on right now. And it's kind of that way for a couple weeks where they're not doing three-man booths at least. So it's interesting here. JR and Lawler are kind of a classic team uh, in the early days there. And as the four-time WWF champion Bret Hart makes his way to the ring, JR announced something pretty major – he says the Undertaker will be facing the WWF champion at WrestleMania 13. Chris, did they explain why he would be facing, like what he did? Uh, no, that's uh, 
I, I sort of assumed that that was something that had been maybe decided beforehand. I'm not sure like how. First time coming up. That's, so the thing is, um, so Undertaker was the second to last guy in the final four match on Sunday. Bret Hart eliminated him, and that was it. But like, had to throw them off with the top rope to eliminate them. In that match, you could pin them, make them submit, or throw them over the top rope like a Royal Rumble. Although in the end, everybody got eliminated over the top rope. Oh wait, well, did everybody? Yeah. yeah. Easiest way to eliminate the guy. You would think so. Yeah, exactly. Okay, right? moving moving on. Uh, yeah. Yes. So Taker, yeah, Taker just lost the most recently, and I don't know, like. I feel like you probably shouldn't give people WrestleMania title shots based on the fact they're second last guys in matches. It's, it's a little bit screwy. Kind of way, weird, like, yeah, like, why are you not creating at least a storyline around why you're, like, using that as an opportunity to, you know, give him a reason to become yeah. the number one contender. Is it too lame to make a battle royal happen? Is that, like, is that too much like a wrestle, like a Royal Rumble Redux, like, happening again? Like, because at least with a ro- battle royal, I can at least there's a moment where somebody gets knocked off the top rope and someone's hands are raised and they've earned something. I just want them to earn something. Sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't need like a tournament every time, but I would like, I would like something. So strange to me that that's happening that way. Uh, so yes, Brett and Sid, they stand face to face in the ring, and then suddenly here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. He rushes the ring and he attacks Bret Hart. Which is I've said that 15 times on this podcast already, and it's fine. I'm, I'm, I will say it again. I will say it again tonight. There's a, you know a whole bunch of referees and officials follow closely behind uh, Steve Austin, tries to break it up, and uh, and Sid even attacks Austin. So you know Austin was coming after Brett. Sid attacks Austin as well. The crowd is like into it and all excited, and then Sid has his back turned, and Steve Austin chop blocks Sid. Uh, taking him out at the knee, and and Sid is quite hurt. He t- he cries out in pain. Austin gets taken away. And, uh, you know, Sid is just not in a good place. And Bret Hart realizes this. And so he tries to go after Sid's knee, but there's a few officials who stay behind. They're holding Bret back. And it's kind of confusing because JR says, hey, maybe, you know, hey, maybe we're not going to do this right now. Because uh, it's like, it's because Sid hurt his knee? Like, he's still standing up. Like, it's kind of a strange thing. I didn't really follow it for me that well. Um. So, yeah, and then everybody just kind of mills around the ring, and we go to a clip from last Thursday, Raw Thursday's night, when Shawn Michaels forfeited the WWF title. Uh, and then we just we move into a you know your classic post-pay-per-view recap of the main event from last night's Final Four. It's kind of video slideshow. We get to see Vader, who's all bloody around his eye. Everybody brawling. Then Austin eliminated. Brett superplexing Vader. Vader getting hit with a low blow and eliminated. And then Bret Hart eliminating uh, Undertaker with Austin around. And, uh, yeah, we go to the back. Jay, Kevin Kelly is in the locker room with Psycho Sid, who is in pain. He still tells Kevin Kelly to shut up. And Sid says nothing will stop him, not Austin, not even if his leg was broken. I think the biggest issue with me for this is that there isn't an open, compelling reason told to me, the fan, as to why this match isn't happening right now. Oh, Because it's like, well, the world champion is hurt. I'm like, well, the whole wrestling is about hurting people. I suppose, but isn't the... Isn't, isn't the idea, which which maybe they don't articulate very well, and maybe they just, you know, have, you know, figured out a better way to do that, that he's not, like, they're trying to determine if he's medically cleared to compete. Uh, I'd be fine if they said that. I would be fine if they said, oh, you got some questions about Sid. But the thing is, Sid is also upright, too, right? Where it's like, you know, I need a little bit more than just being like, well, he's yelling. It's like, well, he yells a lot. <laughs> he's in a pain a lot of the time. 
Yeah, I mean, so, uh, I, I, mean I need to explain at least a little bit yeah. if they're if they're gonna go that angle. Instead, they're kind of just doing the thing. Where we're just gonna like, yeah, the match is kind of it's kind of canceled. They're just like whatever. You'll get it later. It's fine. Yeah, uh, it also creates sort of like a little bit of intrigue about you know for sure whether it's going to happen. Is it going to be a um, sort of like a screwball ending? Is is Brett going to sort of win uh, because he's injured? I, I'm I'm all right with it. I'm following along uh, uh, with great interest. There we go. So more on that later on. And right now, the next thing to keep your interest, hopefully, is Mark Barrow with Sable going against Savio Vega and some members of the Nation of Domination. Savio Vega is a member of the Nation right now. And when we see Sable, I think she just looks 100% like Catwoman. She's in full-on leather cat suit and high heels. She's just kind of ripping off the... the uh, that look, I'm not really sure what she wore before because she was always this like sex symbol. That was the whole idea of her, but she was always kind of like attractive and titillating. But it's the uh, yeah, she's Catwoman right now. I don't also describe her. Well, yeah, and this is, I think, her iconic look. This is the right. one she's known for is like the 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 cat suit, like that's Sable. And I really love that they're introducing this badass side of sable right um she's starting to attack other wrestlers and they go into that yeah um she's actually quite tough is what they're saying and they're using the prop of the sunglasses right. to say <laughs> like oh this chick means business she's wearing sunglasses inside when she doesn't need to maybe oh, she's man. bad uh i really just love the little details, the little dumb details, the way that they tell a story by using a prop as silly as sunglasses. Yeah, I and you, good point. She's essentially also being pretty heelish here. She's attacking people, like you said. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's an interesting element that with uh, other heels. This is essentially kind of a heel against heel match, right? Because Mark Merrill is kind of leaning that way right now. Uh, but Savio, uh, he doesn't have the full group of the Nation of Domination members coming out. And so some of the guys from the Nation, including Farouk, they emerge from the crowd and just kind of sit down above the raw entrance. They're also kind of there. So like, hey, we're we're around. It just kind of feels like something they did to be a little bit different. Uh, and so Mero sends Savio outside early, and then he follows the flipping plancha to Savio and Crush outside on the floor. And we're told that Ahmed Johnson was just released from the hospital in Lowell, Massachusetts. That, that's where Thursday's show was. And we're not told why he was there. And he also wasn't injured on that show, which is the weird. Like, he they, he attacked some people with The Undertaker, as I recall. But there was nothing that he was like, oh, man, they didn't do, like, an angle where he was hurt. So just funny to be like, oh, he got out of the hospital. Like, is he did he get in a car accident? Did he fall down some stairs? Like, what happened to him? They don't really elaborate on that. They're just kind of, he's around. He's also, I don't think, in, is he on next week's show? Oh, they're, well, they're, they're doing a they're doing a tour. We'll talk more about that in a little bit too. Uh, and so Mero, Mark Mero gets tossed outside, and one of those white rappers that's with the nation kicks him, probably Wolfie D or whatever that guy's name is. Uh, and so Sable comes over and she kicks that white rapper a bunch too, and he like the guy takes it like he's getting kicked like by a superhero because he gets launched away from Mero. He gets like so kicked so far, uh, and he loves taking those uh, those shots from her. And it's like, okay. And then so Mark Mero, he hits a Samoa drop on Savio Vega. But then Sable runs into the ring because she was getting, like, harassed by the guys from the Nation of Domination. And so as soon as she's in the ring, the referee just, like, rings the bell. 
And it's like, huh, I think it's a no contest. The the website I use for uh, wrestling data, which is cagematch.net, it says it's a DQ win for Mark Merrow, but it's like, do you win from do you win by disqualification if your manager just runs into the ring because she's afraid of people on the outside? Like, I don't think I think something needs to happen to you to get a disqualification to happen, right? Uh, yes, that was uh, that was I, I assumed it was a no contest. I don't think they actually said they didn't actually say that Mara won by disqualification, did they? They don't say it. I don't believe they say it. No, um, no, I, I, I to me, it looked clearly like a, a no contest, which is which is fine. I was wondering as this was happening at the very end unfolding, is this an era where the men wrestlers would, you know, attack a woman physically or is this not? Like I haven't seen enough of 1997 to remember. Like is this something they would do then? Is Sable really in danger? I don't think they usually would. I think they would. I think that's a bit, a bit taboo. I mean, it's still kind of taboo now, but well, I feel like it's more well, taboo. It was like not taboo, and then it became taboo. Yeah, it kind of it, it's moved a few times, and it's been <laughs> it's been like it's not acceptable to hit women. It's like right, it's like ah, it kind of is. Now it's like well, it's it's not acceptable for different reasons now, in a way, if that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It, it, I, yeah. really in danger is what you're saying. You know, they, they would never actually have attacked her. I don't think so. I'm not, 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 uh, not as obviously as we would imagine they would. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And then, you know, just released from the hospital comes Ahmed Johnson. He runs the ring with a two by four with the nation in there and he cleans house. Uh, and so the nation is gone. Marrow, you know, he's, they, they didn't get attacked. And Ahmed Johnson is wearing what I can only describe as pajamas. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a it was a real look. Um, these very sort of baggy kind of sweatshirt and uh, you know baggy sweatpants. Like when I'm talking baggy, I mean like sort of billowing, like kind of b- balloonish. Yeah, and like material that looks comfortable. <laughs> Like soft material. Yes, and and the, like the same color of kind of like rose, pink, sort of light lightish red. Uh, it, right. it was certainly a, a fashion choice. Uh, I'm not sure it was successful. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I would say, Chris, you're kind of wearing the opposite of that look right now. I would say. Oh, I'm in mean my my work at attire. Yeah, uh, you look like you could be a day trader on Bay Street or something like that, right? Whereas Ahmed looks like he just woke rolled out of bed to go to the, like a corner store. Well, I mean, if if I had an opportunity to be on WWE, you know, I would I would certainly want to, I I don't know, dress for the the part. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm not sure Ahmed did that today. Dress for the job you want. In this case, you can wear your pajamas to work, and you could be Ahmed Johnson, which is good for him. Uh, his, I mean, his his fashion choices could be a podcast on their own, or at least a Tumblr. I think uh, Ahmed's fashion. <laughs> right. I should start that up. I think we could totally make that happen. Uh, <laughs> we take a break and we come back to an ad for WrestleMania 13, sponsored by PlayStation. You know, this is four PlayStations ago. Hey, Chris, did you catch the tagline for WrestleMania 13? There's a tagline for WrestleMania. No, I didn't. It, the tagline is simply Heat. 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 Hmm. A, a name they would co-opt uh, a year or two later for their, uh, you know, Sunday B show, and then their Sunday C show right. as, it, as it moves on there. So heat, that's what we get there. Uh, yeah, and then we have Leaf Cassidy. That is to say, Al Snow, back when he's called Leaf Cassidy. He is in the ring for an Intercontinental Title match with Rocky Maivia, but first 
we got to talk to the incomparable Bret Hart, as JR says. Uh, and Bret there, he says, hey, I'm going to handle Sid tonight. Then he's going to move on to his next contenders. And he says, of Undertaker's opponent WrestleMania 13, he says, bring him on. And then uh, <laughs> the promo ends my favorite way a promo can end, which was Jerry Lawler saying something, and then Bret Hart tells him to shut up. And I think more promos should end with telling Jerry Lawler to shut up, because I just think it's very funny. Because Bret, Bret says it very dismissively as well. He's like, shut up, Lawler. Yeah, uh, I think I forgot how integral Lawler was to the show. Right. Um, that this is really like, yeah, he's he's quite he's quite central to it, um, even in situations like this. And it's a nice reference also to their longtime feud. Right? They had a big feud. Lawler. Oh yeah, and they, they and and it kept they kept it simmering, which is good. And they never really were like they're never buddies again. It was always just like. Which I like is this this dynamic of like enemies for life. Yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. What that is there. Uh, so it's nice. So we go to Rocky Maivia against Al. So it's the Rock versus Al Snow for the IC title essentially. And uh, Rocky Maivia he beat Triple H for the title at Thursday Raw Thursday, which we see. And uh, before the match can begin, though, Sunny makes her way uh, out. She's wearing an, uh, what I would describe as an unconventional pink outfit, which is essentially a sports bra and a flowy high slitted skirt. Uh, not something I could pull off necessarily. Uh, though we do see some footage from a photo shoot study did where we're told she's giving entertainment tonight coming up. She was the most downloaded woman on AOL. <laughs> How's that for some 1997 for you? That's pretty glorious. I wonder how many downloads. It was probably like a really slow download, right? Like, <laughs> ah, right, like this image is taking me 20 minutes. Yeah. If you want to see Sunny posing with her hand over by her head, uh, and you want to see it go line by line for five <laughs> full minutes, and it'll be like 320 by 180 p kind of thing. I think you're not gonna much else. Uh, I was, I did have a thought where I was like, I wonder. There's no, there's no way to calculate this now. There's no way. But I wonder who the most downloaded woman would be now. I don't know. Would it be somebody towards the more adults film <laughs> persuasion or would it just be a really famous woman like is it kim kardashian is what i'm, what I'm wondering oh most down downloaded uh that's a really good question uh right, i feel that might be like i'm trying to think of who like who the most famous woman alive is would be otherwise i i think i don't think it would be a, a porn star uh no i don't think so right because i feel like that's i mean it's like everything else in culture is everything so divided up now it's like there isn't one any button for anybody right uh, porn stars or otherwise, it might might be might be the the queen uh, or or Kim Kardashian. The the, the rec- sorry, you're saying the recently deceased Queen Elizabeth II might be the most downloaded woman of all time because it's not it's downloaded. It's not saying what the per- pictures are for or what kind of the pictures they are. Well, but we're also saying downloaded because it doesn't mean articles about or are we just talking just. I could download. I mean, gentlemen and some ladies saving those images for reasons. Okay. Okay, you're right. I suppose I suppose there's probably not people who have reams of photos of Queen Elizabeth on their phones, who who has been dead for almost six months at the time this episode is coming out. Well, I mean, if that happens, maybe you download more photos of Queen Elizabeth. You know, just so remember you, the good times. Like a this little is... memory folder on your phone. <laughs> it's a memory folder. You think you, you have any tell your parents. photos of Queen Elizabeth on your phone? Do I have any photos of Queen Elizabeth on my phone? Um, I but might have fo- chat where someone was like, like, hey, uh, it's, it's Queen Elizabeth, and so you like maybe you have it on your phone, a download in a way. 
Uh, I have pictures of money that she's on, probably, right? Like, I think that's the closest okay. thing is I took like, pictures of coins that have her on the obverse. Okay. Be my I, guess. I digress. So, Sunny is the most downloaded woman uh, for on AOL. For AOL. I mean, yep. the good thing about the good thing about this episode, Matt, airing in the future of even when we're recording it now, is that maybe there's a chance that in uh, what when are we now? February twenty-ish. Twenty. I believe we're. It is uh, the day this episode gets released. It is. Uh, it's March sixteenth, twenty twenty-three. First off, happy happy three sixteen, everybody. Happy uh, to Stoke Old Steve Austin. So yeah, and, and salute there. Really good that like as of March, Sunny turned her life around, and ah. uh, and is now everything is is a okay with Sunny and her personal life, such that we can fully appreciate uh, her as a, a bombshell timekeeper, uh, which which is really like I, I do kind of love that like it's such an anachronism like they don't need a timekeeper for anything. There's not even a time limit on this match, right? Um, it, it, yeah, ser- it serves no purpose. The timekeeper is more like the bell ringer, and I need what I need to see from timekeepers is that they get the they get the hammer for the bell and a stopwatch. I think we need to see timekeepers do their job. And I want and if a guest timekeeper happens to be on commentary when the match ends, I need them to click off and I need to say ah four minutes and twelve seconds. Like I need to hear that as well. That's important that they're actually keeping the time because I need that to, for in order for um, things to be believable. Uh, absolutely yeah that's so only right i don't know what the situation is like i guess she's entering a program with the rock which is so i mean in retrospect um it just sounds so absurd that they would do a program kind of now she just kind of orbits him for a while and they just stop because they 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 send her somewhere else there's times where they just don't know what to do with sunny but they're also like well we need we want to have an attractive woman just around so if we at least give her like a fixation on Rocky until we figure out what to do with one or both of them, uh, then that's just a fine little holding pattern thing. Right. Give her give her the the guest timekeeper kind of like, yeah, I guess something to do. Yeah. I mean, next week she's going to be in an arm wrestling match, uh, one that is not built up for this week. So we'll see how that goes. So anyway, that's the whole thing. Uh, yes. Um, Jerry Lawler. Need to throw a shout out to him. He says of Stu and Helen Hart, Brett and Owen's parents, he says they have produced more tragedies than Shakespeare. Good line. Good line to say about people who have a lot of kids. Something you don't like. Uh, We get. Yeah. Another good line. uh, As Sonny was entering, he says, I don't know what the seven wonders of the world are, but Sonny's got two of them. Yes, that's right. As if that's the categorization. They're just like breast left and breast left. Right. That's that would be. Oh, man, we get a picture-in-picture promo from Triple H, uh, and he says, hey, you know, Rocky Maivia, when he beat me, he was just lucky. And JR says, well, you should probably be concerned about Goldust. You kind of you kind of unfinished business with him. Uh, he got involved in the the rematch of Final Four last night, and so Triple H says, like, that's fine. That's my best Triple H uh, 1997 impression I got there. Um, it was fun. Yeah. Yet another, is, is that the same impression that I criticized for sounding like Donald Trump? Or was maybe your impression of yours that also ends up sounding like Donald Trump? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm not doing too many of the WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah. Anyway, also I gotta say, you know, we're recording this far in advance. Uh, I just want to say, look, Donald, I, you need to get used to the prison cell. All right, it's not a big deal that you're there. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons that has happened. Whether it's your organization 
or if they got you for January 6th. I don't know, but I hope things are okay there, and I hope hope you get hope you get Peacock while you're there at least. So. Well, I mean, maybe we're actually building up to WrestleMania. Uh, he is free as a bird, Matt, and <laughs> you know he's going to be making an appearance. I mean, we we just don't know, you know, what what March 2023 will look like, but I think he's going to be free as a bird. I think he's gonna, he should be present for a Mar-a-Lago street fight. That would be have like have some golf clubs and like some vases and some art around, and it's all gold. Anyway, I, there's ways you could do this to be quite quite entertaining, if not glorifying uh, a, a very problematic figure. But yeah, although it's also like we're joking about this, and it's like like how many more anti-Semitic people can he meet with before it's like a problem that we're even joking about it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to get into the Kanye thing today. Uh, <laughs> we we do we you know you're right. We don't have time for Kanye now. I will say. Hope he's apologized by March 2023. I'm not sure he will, though. Yeah. Do they still have crypto in 2023? I don't know about that. I don't. We barely have crypto now, come to think of it, really. So, who knows? Uh, Jerry Lawler, uh, he compares Rocky Maivia to another rookie. Because he's talking about, hey, rookies. He's like, you know what? He's just like Tiger Woods. And it's like, what? Because Tiger Woods lost a tournament that weekend. And it's really funny that Lawler compares him to Tiger Woods saying, like, oh, he's going to be a flash in the pan. And it's like, oh, that's actually, like, kind of weirdly apt and you don't realize it. Also, Tiger Woods wins the Masters in two months. Uh, so I'm not, like, a big golf guy. But the fact he compares The Rock to Tiger Woods and he means it like it's an insult is very funny to me. Well, yeah, I mean, they ended up being, I guess, roughly as famous as each other in the end. What do you think? Oh, interesting. Um yeah, interesting. I guess it's it's hard for me to gauge just how big, <clears throat> you know, the the Rock might be bigger now just because of how global his success is at the box office. Like obviously, uh, Tiger Woods is like the biggest golf star probably of all time. There's nobody even really close to him in terms. Like obviously, there are guys who did who played really well, but in terms of like people, you'd be like, oh yeah, Tiger Woods golf. You'd be like, well, the Rock has been in like so many huge movies and a lot of ones that aren't that good, but he still has star power and still exists. So. Yeah, the rock, rock probably over transcended Tiger Woods. And golf might not be big in some countries that yeah. like don't have grass. Yeah, grassless countries can be a real problem for sure. Uh, <laughs> I think that's true. It's really just kind of like the wherever there's like rich white people, right? Where it's like yeah, you get the U.S., Canada, Britain, South Africa, Australia, I suppose. Yeah, okay, so Australia, so t- Tiger, pretty big in the rich white people countries. Um, but I mean, the Rock can't even like there's no there's no major city in the world the Rock can walk through and not be like, hey, look, it's the Rock. That's true. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, if he's if he's like if he was in, like in Jordan or somewhere like that, I feel like he would still get mobbed. So, um, yeah, it's a big deal. Here he's just uh, some guy with the goofy hair uh, fighting for the Intercontinental Championship against Al oh, Snow. Still, still very prescient uh, prediction from yeah. Jerry Lawler. Yeah, Jerry Lawler also factors into. Another occurrence in this match where they do a split screen with a commentary booth, and you're kind of like, why would they do that? Uh, and there's a guy next to Jerry Lawler with an ECW rule sign, and he's, like, bothered by that. And so that's going to factor in uh, right after the match. Um, but we're also told in two weeks, Raw will be in Berlin, Germany, and there's going to be the finals for the WWF European Championship. And it's not really remarked upon, but this is the first time uh, that they're going to have a fourth belt in the company. They have the Intercontinental, the World Title, and the Tag Team Titles, and this is the fourth belt. This is the most. The last time they introduced a belt was the 1970s. 
So 20 years later, they introduced one, a fourth belt for the first time. Pretty wild. Really? I assumed that the European title had been established before this. No, and this is it. First time, man. Oh. Now, okay, in fairness, sorry, I will say, there had been, like, there was a women's world title, and that kind of went away. And there was a light heavyweight. There was a, there was a junior heavyweight title, but that was only Japan. It's a bit murky. But in terms of the, yeah, this is the, this is the first time they're, they're going to debut for the very first time in two weeks. Um, this is the, uh, yeah, this is long. And it only lasts, well, how long? From 97 to 2002, it gets factored in. It's only around for five years. Kind of weird to think about, considering how much other belts have been. Like, the U.S. title has been around for almost 20 years at this point, so. I, I actually challenge this. I mean, you're pretty smart, Matt, but uh, you're forgetting about one belt. Uh, oh. Would have surely been established after, what did you say, 1977? Yeah. The uh, million-dollar title. That's what I thought as soon as you said that. <laughs> that's what I thought. I was like, wow, that's what it must be what he means. Uh, yeah. So, yes, I have to, canonical belts, belts that are just made of diamonds. Um, so, yeah, that's the whole thing. Uh, the match ends when Rocky gets a, a crossbody, covers uh, Leaf Cassie, then he gets up, hits a shoulder breaker, and then gets a one, two, and a three. And after the match, after Rocky's successful intercontinental title defense, uh, we go back to the announce table, and Jerry Lawler rips the ECW sign away from this fan, and he complains about ECW. It's Extreme Championship Wrestling. This is an indie promotion at the time. Now, well, I'll, I'll talk about what happens here, and then I'm kind of curious. Maybe I'll ask Chris to kind of think what, what, what he thinks of it there. Um, and so, yeah, he's, Lawler says these guys are a bunch of losers. This is only made up of people who couldn't make it in WWF. And people keep putting these, these signs in my face all the time. And so Jerry Lawler says, hey, Next week, Raw is at Manhattan Center, New York City. It's like a ballroom, essentially. And he challenges anyone from ECW to come and take him on next week. And so that is a setup for Raw. Uh, Chris, ECW, what would you say is the kind of – how do people see it now? What what does it mean to people in 2023? What What, what is ECW to – modern fans does it mean anything or it's just kind of like a 90s kind of relic that we look at and we go like, ah it was influential what what does it mean now yeah or like even to you like just like when i when we talk about ecw we're like oh that's cool and intense or you're like ah that was never for me or it doesn't really mean anything or what so i remember ecw from that time because they would always talk about it in pro wrestling illustrated right uh, yeah which i would sometimes buy and so I remember there being a real hype about this being a promotion that stands above all of the other um, indie promotions like Smoky Mountain Wrestling or things like that that were yeah. around at that time. And uh, thinking that, like, yeah, they've really projected this message that they're that they're hardcore, uh, that they're cool. Uh, so I was a bit confused. I'd forgotten about this part of WWE history. And so I thought, like, oh, did WWE already buy ECW at that point? Uh, right. Because why else would they be promoting the product on WWF? WWF, sorry. And uh, so it, it, it surprised me that Vince, back in the day, was more open to promoting a rival, uh, you know, a rival scene than you know, certainly contemporary WWE is. Yeah, they, this is, I think, a symptom of the, of WWF being on their heels, right? So they're like, they're, they're, they're kind of losing to WCW at the time. And so they're like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll permit, we'll use the, the street credibility and the kind of the cool factor of ECW to 
uh, to boost our image. And so I think that's what they're doing here is they're just kind of going they're, they're giving themselves credibility by putting themselves next to them. Are they uh, badly in the ratings right now or is it close? I don't think it's particularly close. I think it's they, they, the WCW open because it was back and forth before the NWO. And then it just, you know, for as long as they, you know, those 88 weeks, the famous 88 weeks that uh, uh, that Eric Bischoff talks about all the time. Uh, I don't think it was really like they weren't that competitive. And if you look at it, it's like, you know, you, you know, if you were doing matches like Bret Hart versus Psycho Sid for the WWF Championship, you're doing that consistently. OK, cool. But for so much of this run, the main events are not great. Especially okay. earlier in the podcast run that we were talking about, uh, it's because it's like Bart Gunn versus Billy Gunn in the main event of Raw, and you're like, "Yeah, watch this or watch uh, Steve uh, Steve Nash, <laughs> Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall like beat people up." I I think I'll watch that. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Goldust comes out for an interview, and JR says it's going to be unusual. And uh, Marlena was attacked by a fan last night at the pay per view, and we know in retrospect that fan uh, is China. It was the debut of China uh, as an unknown woman, as they say. Uh, and so, yes, we have Kevin Kelly in the ring. And he tries to interview Goldust, but Goldust just kneels down in front of Marlena and grabs Kevin Kelly's mic. And uh, Goldust cuts a promo on, on Triple H. Uh, and, and Marlena says Goldust, despite what people think, is all man, not like Triple H. Uh, and I'm noticing here. It's quite striking just how short Marlena is compared to Goldust. I know Dustin Rhodes is pretty tall, but he makes her look like an elf. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's she's very tiny. I think that's why she has like she makes her hair really big. Yeah, it's to, to like gain like a good extra two inches there. Um, she's not particularly compelling on the mic. I I'd forgotten like what sort of an insubstantial voice that she has. Um, at the same time, and I think I commented on this before, it is it is kind of interesting and progressive in retrospect for them to be insisting that Goldust, you know, despite you know wearing this this wig and this makeup and this attire, that he is no less of a man because of it. Um, I mean, at the I think what they're really like saying when they say that is, well, don't don't worry, he's not gay. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's exactly what they're saying. Still, there is kind of like a slightly progressive idea there that um, that you know he can be a man without uh, you know conforming to you know certain ideas of masculinity. Right. Yeah, they're trying to they are trying to get away with it, which is which is interesting here. Uh, and their only way that the only way they see forward to make Goldust be a face is not to say he's gay and that's okay, but to be like. Uh, he's not at all gay. He's just a weird guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so Triple H comes out to distract Goldust in the ring, and they throw some water from a table of ringside in Goldust's eyes, and then Triple H hits Goldust with this pretty snug pedigree, right? It gets the arms connected in, drops him down. You may never see a more snug pedigree than this, where it does, he doesn't release the arms halfway through. Goldust is eating mat in Nashville. And... Marlena turns Triple H around and slaps him right in the face. This is after he completely destroys Goldust. Uh, but then suddenly, here comes that mystery woman again. Here comes China. And she attacks Marlena in the ring. And security and officials and referees pour out from the back to come stop her. And J.R. and Lawler talk about how this mystery woman should be in jail. And it's always funny to me how. She will if, be. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Also, 
<laughs> also, it's like if she came out with Triple H and attacked Marlena, uh, they'd be like, okay, cool. But because she's a fan, they're like, throw in jail. She's garbage. Throw in jail. Like, it's like the amount of assault they're willing to put up with is only if you have like a contract if you're around. Like, you can, you can beat each other up as long as we all have you under the same umbrella here. It does seem a little bit like an invitation to like perhaps a like someone who is um, truly unable to comprehend things um, that they would actually attack a wrestler. They they might believe that wrestling is real right. and they will see that you can quite easily um, jump over barricades and attack other wrestlers with impunity and get away with it. So like, I feel like that's a, it's a little bit risky when they do storylines of fans, you know, jumping barricades and attacking wrestling. Right. It's a little bit, it, I've, yeah, I think I've had, um, uh, my brother will before has been like, yeah, don't, he, he always suggests like, don't, don't mess with that. Don't even joke with that sort of thing. Like it's not, not worth it. Like, it's is this too much possibility? I mean, we I mean we saw. I mean, the, there was that guy. Was it 2022 or 2021? That guy who jumped the barricade to attack Seth Rollins. Um, right. That was kind of a scary situation. That wasn't a lot of fun. Uh, so that was yeah. That, you want to avoid that sort of thing. But they they didn't. Not in 1987. Not with China. And then we have another match here. The Headbangers were going up against another tag team. Chris, did this other tag team surprise you? Do you remember which which team it was? Oh, absolutely. I was. I was so shocked uh, because they didn't get an entrance. Uh, they're basically, you know, being introduced like jobbers. Yes. Jeff the Hardy Boys at the young ages of 19 for Jeff and 22 for, for Matt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Hardy Boys are here. They have silly blue tights, shoulder length hair. They're here to lose to Mosh and Thrasher. And it's just fun to hear it. I mean, you hear JR say Jeff Hardy in 1997. You're like, wow, that is crazy. And it's still around now. I think, I mean, I think they might still be wrestling today. It's hard to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if they are. I mean, they sort of are. Uh, yes. They're in a promotion, technically. The yes. uh, Have there ever been – those guys kept their names since the very beginning. Like, it looks like – they they've just they're just starting wrestling it looks like uh, i wonder there's got to be very few wrestlers who will be able to maintain their identity throughout the course of their career yeah i don't this like and they've played around with different things you know where jeff has been like his will of the wisp and he's been uh itch weed and stuff like that. brother near all these kind of weird things but like they've kind of they have come back to just being their birth names you know jeff jeff hardy right um, I mean, I guess back in the day, it was you know, if your name was if you were like Dory Funk Jr., you were Dory Funk Jr. for you know 60 years. Really? Uh, so there is that, but I mean, yeah, in a modern context, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, so uh, very pleasantly uh, surprised to see the the Hardy Boys um, there and and looking uh, much less weathered. Yeah, no, but Jeff Hardy, he still impresses right off the bat. He gets this nice high flying clothesline on a, on one of the headbangers. He gets a, draws a reaction from Jr. And then we get in a picture-in-picture interview with Farouk, and he says that Ahmed Johnson, he's not street. He's got multiple cars. And Farouk declares that he's got Ahmed at WrestleMania in Chicago in a Chicago street fight. And JR and King, they're almost scandalized because of how intense that match will be. 
They're ready for a Chicago street fight. So we're building for WrestleMania. We're moving on. We had a pay-per-view last night, and now we're saying, boom, let's put some matches in place. So let's go back for a second here. Yes, please. I think that um, Farouk ought to have more money than Ahmed Johnson. Right. He's suggesting (laughs) – he's definitely suggesting that Ahmed is is wealthier than he is. Yeah, and and that, like, Farouk is is like a man of the people – um, but but no, I mean, Far- Farouk was a WCW champion. Ahmed's only been around for a couple of years. Uh, what's he doing? You know, crit- you know, suggesting that he's poorer than Ahmed Johnson. Yeah, it's interesting. He says he has all sorts of cars and stuff where it's like, well, you're kind of, sub- you know, your whole vibe, Farouk, is that you're leading this kind of this militant group of people. Are you are you also living the lap of luxury? Or are you spreading the wealth? Like, are you kind of. Are you leaning into that kind of that more socialist part of it? Maybe they don't want to get into that territory, but I'm just kind of curious about it because he's kind of being like Ahmed. Ahmed is being fake, at least. Um, I mean, if he has multiple cars, he's still wearing pajamas in them. So there is that. Uh, uh, Next. He doesn't dress like he's rich. (laughs) No, he does not. Although now I feel like things have also kind of turned from where if you're rich, you wear tux to now. If, If you're rich. You wear like a really casual, like a really expensive hoodie that looks like it doesn't cost much, but actually is really expensive. I mean, maybe that's what it was. And we, you know, back in 1997, we were both too poor to know what like, like millionaires wore as uh, sweatsuits. Right. We just didn't know. We didn't have any idea. Now, what we're told, it's Bret Hart versus Psycho Sid for WF title is coming up next. So instead of it being at the end of the show or the beginning, it's in the middle of the show. So we'll see about that. Um, the headbangers, they do this kind of sloppy suplex cross body combo, and I wouldn't be as bothered by it if Owen Hart and British Bulldog didn't do that exact move at the pay-per-view last night and make it look amazing. Like, they did the exact same thing, only it looked like trash here. The headbangers, I mean, yeah. So here's the thing. So Matt Hardy gets beat on forever. He tags in Jeff. Jeff gets clotheslined onto his own, his neck. And then the headbangers do the really kind of sloppy powerbomb leg drop combo, and they pin Jeff. But they do the thing, like, their whole thing is they powerbomb a guy, and as that powerbomb the guy, the other guy is jumping off the top rope to do the leg drop. Not like boom, boom, but like almost the exact same time. The problem is that it doesn't, it never works. It always looks sloppy, or you hit him with the wrong leg. And it's like, just wait a half second, guys. Like, you don't, like, it's you can wait the half second to do powerbomb, leg drop, cool, but they don't do it. And that's why the, the headbangers are not uh, in the Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned. That's what held them back from being all that much better. Yeah, certainly the, uh, the Hardy Boys would. I think everybody listening to the podcast would agree that the Hardy Boys had a more illustrious career than the Headbangers. I I did uh, I did kind of miss that they are no longer the Flying Nuns because mm, yeah, left on the pod that might have been their introduction. A uh, sister Angelica. And Mother Smucker. Uh, maybe if they had kept those monikers, we would be talking about them as being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so, it's true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is funny. It is funny to think that, yeah, the jobbers ended up being more successful. Um, we go to the back to see Sid shadow boxing and saying, come on. And then we have our sponsors for tonight. We have two sponsors, two pretty different sponsors. First one is Twix. They say two for you, one f- none for sorry, two for me, none for you is their tagline there. Trying to lean into it's the, we're going back, we're harkening back to a 1980s kind of Reagan era self selfishness. <laughs> I'll have all my Twix bar. <laughs> you get nothing. Uh, also, 
Speaking of Reagan, I guess. Uh, the U.S. Army is another sponsor. And we're told to click a link on the Army's AOL site. I love all this AOL talk. It's very, it's deeply, deeply enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that was like their Google or Apple of the time. Pretty much. I mean, in terms of just, yeah, having an internet presence at all, that would be them. Uh, and so, yeah, if you maybe talk about this next match on AOL, Psycho Sid versus Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. And Sid's knee seems to be fine now. And we're told, yeah, hey, remember earlier Steve Austin ruined this match? We're like, okay, yes, yeah, sounds good. And so Sid comes out, and then we follow Bret Hart backstage as he heads towards the entrance. But suddenly, Steve Austin is here, and he attacks Bret backstage. And then suddenly, Sid jumps in too, so he must have run from the ring as soon as he saw uh, uh, Steve Austin backstage. And he jumps in, and we see officials jump in. We also see pretty conspicuous Vince McMahon who jumps on Sid to try to break it up. I think we're kind of right by where a gorilla position would be. That's the uh, kind of the where Vince and everybody else hangs out. And uh, they do a very intentional job of not turning the camera to the left to see that whole arrangement. It's The camera's very locked on, not showing you that part of it. But Vince is right there, so that must be technically gorilla position. And we go to break, and again, no match. It's like, okay, twice we have tried. Twice we have failed to do this WWE Championship match. We come back. Kevin Kelly's in the back with WWF President Gorilla Monsoon. And Kevin Kelly asks a very valid question, very, very top, very current question. He asks, how this match is supposed to happen with Steve Austin going nuts already? And Gorilla, he throws shade at WCW, Chris. He says, they're not going to promise something and then not deliver. That match is going to happen tonight. And Which match were they talking about? I didn't look it up. Which match, is, which match is he saying, like, oh, man, they didn't do that? Yeah. Re- recently in WCW, there was a bunch of stuff where they like, sold out and with some, like, Nitro main events where they, like, promoted one thing and then didn't do it. And so for even in recent weeks, they've been really har- harping on, like, man, they're, WCW, they tell you all the time, the, the other guys, they tell you they're going to have matches and they don't have them. We have our matches. Um, which was funny when most recently they were like, Shawn Michaels is going to wrestle next week. And then he immediately was like, my knee hurts. And they're like, we're okay, you can't do that. <laughs> And we're sorry, but we'll show up and do it. Um, I think it's a very long and storied history of WWE and WWF not airing matches that were were promised on television. Ultimately, in the fullness of time, WWF does not have a lot of leg to stand on in terms of being like, those guys were lying to you about when we would have a match. It's like... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Tug your collar on that one. A little bit inaccurate. One thing that Gorilla Monsoon does not say here is how he's going to ensure that Steve Austin does not interfere. Like, this this promo, this conversation with Kevin Kelly and Gorilla Monsoon should have ended with Gorilla Monsoon being like, Kevin, come with me. And he goes to the back, and they go to his car, and he slaps the, the trunk of the car, and we hear, oh, son of a bitch. And it's like, and he's like, Kevin, I have Steve Austin is in the trunk of my car, and I'm not, we're gonna, I'm going to drive away. <laughs> he's going to go somewhere. Like, we need, to, we need to contain Steve Austin. And unfortunately for the rest of the night, that is not answered. Like, they're just kind of, everyone's just kind of like, well, I hope he doesn't do it again. <laughs> like, what are we supposed to do? There's a wild cheetah going backstage, and his name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're not doing anything about it. We're just hoping. Uh, next up, Flash Funk against Owen Hart with Clarence Mason. So he's got Clarence Mason, who's, who's with him. Clarence Mason, as a reminder, he's also with the Nature of Domination. He's got us doing split duty here. Why, why did they, why was he managing Owen and the British Bulldog? 
took over from Jim Cornette. I don't know if he was doing with the nation originally and then, or I don't think he was with the nation and they added him on. Um, not, not entirely clear, but he's, that's who he's there. It's kind of like the eighties thing. I'm just kind of like, well, they have a manager and he's just a guy and he's yeah. not like related to them. He's just, he's a manager. He's not a very yeah. forthright manager. Although we'll see what he does here. Uh, King as uh, flash funk is coming out with his dancers, the Funkettes. JR, sorry. King says he wish, you know, he should have dancers. And JR says simply, they wouldn't look like that. Uh, and then he said they would be more portly. So it's like JR doing some fat jokes. It's 1997. Come on, JR. Do better. Do better. Uh, Owen Hart comes out. He's got a Slammy Award and he's got both tag titles. So whatever, I, I don't know if he said to Bur- oh, Bur- Bulldog, like, hey, let me borrow that or, or what, but he's got both. Showing off both belts there. JR tells us that he's got some bad news that Marlena is now coughing up blood because she was attacked once again. It's like, I don't know. If we're not going to see it, do we need to be told that? That's kind of gross. Uh, I think it's a fine detail. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not too violent. Um, it's, it's funny. He could, he could also be like, oh, we might, have to, we might have to amputate her leg. We're not going to see it. So I don't know. You can say anything he wants to there. Right. Yeah. yeah. She might have polio. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> sure. I think a spider bit her backstage. I mean, like, is she going to be okay next week? She'll be back next week. Kind of, it's kind of like on the equivalent of like, ah, oh, she broke a rib. I mean, you know, you can just sort of say that it happened. He's essentially saying she broke a rib, really. When, when you're saying she was thrashed around and she's coughing up blood, they're kind of being like, ah, oh, she kind of broke a rib. Or oh, yeah. lacerated a kidney or something. That's probably what it was. But mm-hmm. She has a, uh, a body contusion, they could say. Uh, we are reminded again, Owen Hart eliminated British Bulldog at the Royal Rumble. He also kicked Bulldog by accident in a tag match last night. So there's some tension there. Bulldog's not around, though. So uh, I suppose he'll show up later. And so, yeah, we, Owen and Flash Funk, they, they're doing a bunch of, uh, you know, high-flying things and arm drags and, uh, sorry, kick up, kip-ups and arm ringers. And uh, Flash Funk kind of does an arm drag with his leg, which I guess you call a leg drag, hard to say. Um, we're told that both these guys are going to be in the European title tournament, which is funny because we won't see that tournament. We just see the final. It's funny. They're just kind of like, in general, they're like, Hey, if you're in, if you're in the UK, if you're in Europe, you'll see these matches. But otherwise we just, we're only going to see the final on raw in two weeks. Oh, Everything else is for you're not televised at all. European tour. So this is the weird thing. Here's the thing. And we'll talk about more that this more in com- coming weeks, but they are, they're doing a tour. In the in Europe, they are not doing live shows there. They do one tape show in Germany, but they do a bunch of other shows in there. And that's one of those places where WWF was like doing pretty well overseas. Um, they still drew pretty well overseas. I know Bret Hart was very popular in uh, in Europe, which is cool. Uh, and so they would just do they would just do tournaments and stuff. They're doing in Kuwait uh, in 1997 as well. So they do these overseas shows that have interesting interesting TV. Uh, uh, connections have an interesting kind of impact, which we actually find out about here uh, because Owen Hart offers a test of strength to Flash Funk, and as that happens, Jerry Lawler gets a phone call. And this is not very common in wrestling. The, the announcer's just like, well, you got a phone call, buddy. And it's like, okay. And so on the phone is a guy named Paulie Dangerously, formerly of WCW. You might know him as Paul Heyman. Uh, Chris, were you expecting to hear Paul Heyman on this episode of Raw? I mean, after the ECW bit earlier, uh, I guess it wasn't totally out of left field. Right. Not completely unusual that that, that might happen. And so Heyman, yeah, he's going to bring some wrestlers next week. And 
Uh, he's, and uh, he's because he's the head of ECW is why he's calling. And Jerry Lawler is like, ah, are you going to bring Blue Meanie in the Sandman? He's like, yeah, probably. Uh, there's a graphic on the screen that reads, on the phone, ECW representative. And uh, he even says, look, if security lets my guys in the building next week, um, that'll be fine. Th- 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 that should be fine as long as neighborhood watches prevent Jerry Lawler from being there, which is kind of a, a subtle Jerry Lawler is a pedophile joke. Ooh. Uh, ah, yeah, a little, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit too real. Uh, Actually, though, I hope. Uh, there was a statutory rape uh, charge that got dropped at one point. Yeah, I would. Yeah, Google Jerry Lawler if you want to, folks. There's some interesting stuff in there. Um, Owen Hart argues with Clarence Mason outside the ring because even during this phone call, there's a match happening. If you remember that, that Owen Hart versus Flash Funk, and so Owen argues with Clarence Mason outside the ring, which allows Flash Funk to hit I'm Owen with a lawyer. I mean, geez, <laughs> it's a disadvantage. You idiot! It's like trying to. How are you gonna win an argument with him? That'd be amazing if I would love that if, manager, if wrestler had a manager who's a lawyer and he wants to argue with them and, the, and, and every time he's always like oh, you're right. Can't <laughs> even <laughs> really good. I, that would be good. To, actually, that'd be a good character to have like a lawyer for your manager, so he could argue with the referee and the referee's like, okay, yeah, I get, ring the bell. He's right. I can't argue with that. It's true. It's like a superpower. I, I could see that. And the tagline, of course, would be case dismissed. That works. Wrestling lawyer. We didn't really go that. Did we have a wrestling lawyer? I don't know if we did. We had a tax man. I can't think of a wrestling lawyer. And, and Wait, that, uh, that's got to be impossible that, that, it, that one has not happened. That well, Smar- the- okay. Mark, is this Mark Sterling in AEW? He's wrestled a little bit. He was like a wrestler and then he became like a character there. But he's a lawyer. He's ostensibly a lawyer there. Um, but he should be winning arguments, I think. He should be a, he should argue with the official and getting things correct. Like that's what he's good at. You know, he might not even be good right. at the That'd be good. Like, like he should be one where he covers a guy at the two count, and he goes, "That was three. And the referee goes, "I guess it was." You know, like this is weird superpower. Anyway, it might break wrestling, but a wrestling wrestling lawyer who's high powered, I think, is a lot of uh, options there. Uh, so instead, Owen just gets hit by Flash Funk flying through the air on him, and that brings British Bulldog to the ring. And even though he has been named as a source of animosity between him and Owen. Uh, he's here to defend Owen. He chastises Clarence Mason. He, he says he's going to cost Clarence Mason the match. Sorry, he's going to cost Owen the match. And when we come back from a commercial break, a bulldog is a ringside. Clarence Mason is not. He's been sent away. Uh, sent away empty there. And uh, uh, Owen gets a bridging German suplex on Flash Funk for two shortly after that. And then we get a split skin interview with the the disturber of the night, Steve Austin. And uh, JR opens hot. He just says, what's wrong with you? Uh, and Austin says, you know what? I'm close to beating up Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, and then he complains about all the, the recent circumstances that prevented him from being the WWF champion. We don't really get an answer there. Again, I think he should at least be led into some sort of um, Hannibal Lecter situation where he's strapped to a gurney and he has like a mask put on him. Uh, but they don't seem to be taking – they're just have, he's just loose backstage doing interviews and saying he wants to beat up the president. Uh, there's an issue there. So uh, – Like, oh, we're going we're gonna to fine you like $10,000. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he could easily do that. If he justified in doing it, it'd be all good, be good incentive not to do it. Anyway, it doesn't happen. Uh, Flash Funk, he, Flash Funk signals for a moonsault, and then he doesn't. Sorry, he does. He signals for a 450 splash, and then does a moonsault, which is confusing to me, because those are two different hand signals. Because he's saying, "I'm going to flip forward," which is the movement he does, and the moonsault is a backflip. Anyway, Flash Funk, 1997, you blew it. Uh, Funk comes off the top rope after getting a moonsault for two. He comes off the top rope. Or, sorry, he comes off the ropes, rather. Gets hit in the back of the head with Owen Slammy, which Bulldog uses. 
Then Owen hits a spinning heel kick and covers Flash Funk. And then as he's getting pinned, Bulldog grabs Flash's leg so it's hard to kick out. And Owen gets the one, the two, and the three. So we get a little bit of compound cheating to give Owen Hart the victory over Flash Funk. Love to see it. I enjoy that. Uh, and despite the victory, Owen and Bulldog bicker on the way back to uh, the backstage area. And we have Triple H against Bart Gunn. Uh, that's another match. This is the thing. These two hour raws, they just have like a bunch of matches. So it's like, yeah, Triple H versus Bart Gunn. So like, okay, here we go. Another match before the actual main event comes on again. Uh, we have JR kind of openly wondering if that uh, the unknown woman is in cahoots with Triple H. Uh, but also, J- <laughs> JR is also using very carefully ungendered language, uh, which is not like some proto wokeness thing. He's just kind of like, he's doing the wrestling thing of like, can we describe a woman that size as a woman? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think even when she, she came out, he said, you know, is that even a woman? Right. Uh, which, which is quite unfortunate. Yes, it's true. It, the, the, the idea that uh, you have to be outwardly very feminine to be classified as a woman is a whole whole concern there. Um, yeah, we take a we take a break. There's an ad for the Slammies, which are going to be on the USA Network. I love the idea that you would you would sit down on a Friday night and watch the Slammies, which you could do. Uh, at least it was connected with WrestleMania weekend, so it's kind of like almost like the the way that they do the Hall of Fame now. But right. anyway, you could you could spend the time doing that. That's you on the network. WWE Network and Peacock. They should throw the Slammies on there. I don't think they run there otherwise. Probably on YouTube though. Do you watch the Hall of Fame events? I don't think I have. I don't think I have. I watch like clips of like certain speeches and stuff like that because they're they're long and stuff. And usually I would need somebody I really care about recently to get inducted, but I don't even know who that would be. Right. Yeah. I I think I I feel it's kind of equivalent to me with the Slammys. You know, I I would not. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad they exist. I think it's funny that they're, they're treating it like it's a thing that matters. It is funny to have. Like, it's an award ceremony for what's, this, like, supposed to be an athletic competition, which I guess what the ESPYs are. Anyway, I have concerns about the ESPYs, too, but who cares? No one's ever like, I want an ESPY. <laughs> it's just a way to spend money on a night uh, and to have programming, which they do. It's it's a great excuse to be able to introduce a trophy as a weapon. However, yes. you can, trophies are great weapon. Let me tell you. The uh, um, Never had to use one of my tennis trophies, but glad they're around. You should, though. Uh, yeah, it should be the first one I turn to, um, if, if, if ever I, I, I needed, needed a weapon, uh, just for the coolness of being able to use the trophy as a weapon. So, so yes, that is one reason why I guess it's good that the Slammys exist is because it gave Owen this, this very cool weapon. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, Owen justifies the Slammys even as, uh, even all by himself. Uh, and, uh, we come back. We come back to this match here. Honky Tonk Man is on commentary. He has nothing, per usual. He's just around, which is frustrating. Um, interestingly, the bell rings, but then Triple H goes outside to talk to JR, who just gets up and gets a mic, and he asks about this unknown woman, which in the middle of the match. And uh, Triple H says he doesn't have anything to do with her. And then uh, we have JR promoting the superstar line, which is you know the phone number you get. You get the hot gossip at the time. Uh, and it's funny, to, it's funny to imagine now... WWE running an in-house gossip thing. Like, if you took the Wrestling Observer or Pro Wrestling Illustrated or Pro Wrestling Torch and just brought it in-house as them being like, hey, we might, who knows who Triple H might bring back from AEW? We don't know. I wonder if it was good. Like, I wonder if they actually, you know, spilled some some real dirt on there. I think they would give some, they would they would give little, little nuggets at least. And this was also a time where they, they again, in reaction to them being, um, to them being kind of like behind the eight ball, they're also willing to be like, yeah, you know, here's, you know, we'll 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 do, um, 
we'll, we'll do this as a little like a little token for the fans. Like, hey, look, we're not we're not winning, but you want to know some stuff? Here you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, Goldust then uh, runs down after a couple minutes. He chases Triple H into the audience, and the referee simply counts Triple H out, um, which is funny, as if Triple H was like left to his own volition. Uh, like it's like pretty clearly he got chased out, but Bart Gunn is a beneficiary of that decision. Uh, also, Triple H, I just gotta say strategically, if you let Goldust hit you one time, you get the DQ victory. So you could have just done that. You could have just stood there, let Goldust hit you, and then boom, you win the match instead of running away and losing. So, bad choice, Triple H. Other approach. I agree. Yeah, would have worked a lot better. Uh, so yeah, we get a, we get a video that we talked about earlier on tonight uh, from the famous Doctor James Andrews, who explains uh, Shawn Michaels' knee injury, and we're told that Shawn Michaels won't get surgery; he'll get some rehab instead. Uh, Doctor James Andrews, uh, a famous surgeon, uh, I think originally you know based out of Alabama, but he has done uh, so many uh, different. Uh, Surgeries for wrestler. I mean, for wrestling, like Triple H went to him uh, for sure. I think there were a few neck guys, guys with neck injuries, and wrestling went to him. Tons and tons of athletes went to him, and it was funny for me. I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. James Andrews. If you if you Google the most famous orthopedic surgeon, his photo literally shows up. Yeah, he is he is the most famous. Like CM Punk, Kurt Angle, Rob Van Dam, Cena. I, I thought when I saw this, because uh, – and, and like I even read an article. This is all sort of after watching the episode uh, saying that people were speculating that he was going to get added to the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2013. I don't think – Wow. He, but um, when I initially saw this, not having like remembered James Andrews, um, I was thinking like is – because he's very kind of slick, like almost like he's a – like a – fake personality uh like a fake doctor um so i was surprised to hear that he was a real doctor and i guess he is being very like real about sean michael's condition yeah they're using it they're, they're definitely treating it like like it's pretty real i think there's all sorts of questions about how uh how legit his knee injury actually was uh the thing that surprised me most about this is that i looked up dr james andrews and i was like he's still alive uh, and yes, because he's only 55 here. He's balding and he's got a lot of white hair uh, in 1997, but he is uh, he's still kicking, at least to the time of this recording. I hope he's still doing well, uh, as far as I know. I know he's an insanely rich guy in uh, Alabama, so I think he's doing fine. And then, Chris, we come to our main events, proper main events. We have a little bit of time here. They, they suggest on his Wikipedia that oh, he yeah. is actually still practicing medicine. I could see that. It's all he ever knows, right? <laughs> it would make sense. So, yeah, we got our, our main event for the night. We got uh, Bret Hart versus Psycho Sid. It's really going to happen this time. They're actually going to have a world championship match. Uh, Sid comes out. We see the two previous attempts at this match. Uh, no no precautions have been taken to put uh, things good with with, uh, with uh, Steve Austin. I think you could do a casket match maybe. Just put Steve Austin in a casket. That would also work. Have some wrestlers sit on the lid. Uh, don't don't make him uh, suffocate, but just get him get him out of the picture, right? So Bret Hart comes out hot with strikes, and Sid strikes right back, and we're gonna do Bret Hart versus a big man. Essentially, what's happening here? We get a bit of a uh, Bret Hart in a giant killer match, and so Bret manages to get a Russian leg sweep, a backbreaker, and a second rope elbow in between some attacks on Sid. And then Bret starts to work over Sid's leg, which is re- weakened earlier by Austin, and uh, we have Bret. He gets this ring post figure four on Sid. 
And instead of the ref simply counting to five and DQing Bret Hart, the referee, who is unfortunately Earl Hebner, has to come outside and he yells at Bret and tries to jar Sid's leg loose. He's just getting really, really involved in the match, which I don't appreciate. I never really appreciate um, Earl Hebner's uh, attempt at a star performance here. Uh, just, just to be clear, uh, I am going to uh, complain about Earl Hebner at the end of this uh, match. I'm going to have a rant, and I just want to get that clear right away. Um, yes, we uh, we take a break. Uh, we get a, a the foot action rewind, uh, and which is a sponsor clip from Final Four the night before when Vader had a chair kicked into his face, and he just bled a bunch right from his eyebrow and some of that. Pretty nasty. Uh, pretty rough. Uh, he had literally had a chair kicked into his face. It was not just him blading. It was pretty intense. And... We come back, Earl Hebner again, injecting himself into this match with Brett working on Sid's leg in the middle rope, and Earl Hebner is grabbing the leg and trying to stop Brett. And I'm going to watch a supercut of Earl Hebner ref bumps later on uh, <laughs> to make up for this, because it drives me insane. Uh, it's funny because uh, uh, during uh, a one of, uh, one pinfall, uh, Lawler yells, it's going to be Sid versus Undertaker at WrestleMania, but Brett kicks out. And Sid grabs Brett for a choke slam, and he gets a big reaction from the crowd, but Brett breaks free. Sid's from the South, so I don't know if he's like a fan favorite here or how that works, but he, the, the fans like him here. Uh, even though I, I think he's a bad guy. I think he's supposed to be a heel, but Sid is pretty beloved by the fans. Really? I, I was under the impression that he was a face. I mean, he did a bunch of dashly stuff to Shawn Michaels in recent months and didn't really change his character at all. I, I think people just like him. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I did forget actually that they spell him as psycho Sid with an S. Yes. He's psycho and, with an S and no P. And I'm trying to understand, like, is it because he's extra psychotic that he doesn't know how to spell or, or was the idea that there's, there's no way the WWE audience will, will be able to understand that the P is silent. I mean, great questions all around. Uh, I mean, branding might be the part of it, but um, yeah, I'm not really sure. That's a good, it's a, it's all good questions all around. Um, yeah, what happened? Here we go. Yes. Okay. Brett misses a dive, uh, and then he recovers though, and he knocks Sid out of the ring, and then suddenly, in a bit of news you could totally expect, Steve Austin comes to the crowd and he attacks Sid, uh, and Sid dispatches him easily. He he lays him out on the floor. And then Sid goes for a sunset flip on Bret Hart, uh, which I was like, okay, wow. But Bret rolls away, and he gets a sharpshooter on Sid right by the ropes. And so Sid in the sharpshooter. The referee's on his stomach. He's looking at Sid to see if he's going to give up, which allows Steve Austin to get on the apron with a chair and bonk Bret Hart on the back of the head with a steel chair. And so uh, JR says that Austin hit Bret Hart in the face of the chair. He did not. He hits him very much in the back of the head and neck. And uh, and so Bret grabs his neck, but Sid is on his feet, and he hits Bret Hart with a power bomb. And after one unreasonably slow three count later, Sid pins Bret Hart, and he becomes the new WWF champion. Bret, the champion, of only one day. And the crowd loves it. Sid stands on the second rope with the belt, and he eggs on the crowd, who they keep chanting his name. They say, Sid, 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 Sid. It's Sid celebrates, but we hear one big dong, and The Undertaker is here. And Sid lays the WWF Championship in front of The Undertaker in the middle of the ring, and they stand nose to nose as JR tells us that we're looking at the main event of WrestleMania 13. And with the former champion Bret Hart nowhere to be seen, we go off the air. 
And Chris, I want to get your thoughts on this match, but I'm going to rant about two things first. Number one, Earl Hebner. Uh, Earl Hebner does a super slow count on Bret Hart for no reason at all to end the match. Uh, I understand if referees do uh, slow counts after ref bumps. I understand they're trying to be like, hey, look, I'm hurt. Oh, man, I'm so hurt right now. Uh, he was not hurt. He just did a slow count for reasons that are not clear. And I, I wanted to clear right here right now that even though Earl Hebner is probably the most famous referee of all time, uh, and he does have a pretty decent cadence when he counts pins when they're not slow counts, I think he's also one of the worst referees of all time. He makes it about himself. He does illogical things. He distracts me. He infuriates me. I I swore at my screen at Earl Hebner when he started his super slow count. I really dislike this man. I really, really dislike this man. He does not deserve a single ounce of legacy at all. That's probably the like the strongest take on Earl Hebner, Hebner that I've ever seen. I, I do agree with you about interventionalist referees, and it's kind of ironic that in this situation, you know, he's injecting himself into all sorts of ways, and and yet, you know, he, you know, probably within his peripheral vision was Steve Austin smacking Bret Hart over the head with a chair. And uh, he missed that. But, uh, I, I mean, I feel like in 2023, Aubrey Edwards is basically that. You know, the, the referee yeah. tries a little too hard to uh, be noticed and make it about themselves. And certainly, yeah, the, uh, you know, the extra dramatic three count uh, sort of does that for Earl Hebner. Yeah, I mean, she is... You know, Aubrey Edwards, she, I think her, her Twitter handle is like girl Hebner, like girl, like girl, Earl Hebner. And uh, yeah, so there's like she's kind of the problem is that she's definitely setting up a uh, she, she's kind of asking for that comparison to be made. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think she's definitely kind of a successor that way. I think I, you know, the current crop of WWE referees uh, are, are top notch. They do not distract from the match ever. They are professional. They stay out of the way. Uh, if, if there needs to be a rough bump, they do it, and uh, they're just top notch. There's just they, they've they've settled in in a very good way into what a referee should be, uh, and I think that whenever you take time to be like, look, the referee is doing, it's like, dude, we have to we have to pay attention to the wrestlers because they're the actual interesting ones. No one is buying a ticket to see a referee ever, ever, ever. Uh, also, I gotta say, uh, it, it you know I. Bret Hart being a one-day world champion. I, I guess they want a good guy winning the title at WrestleMania. They don't want to win the belt at a random pay-per-view in February. And they were taking a next month. They, they 100% could have done that with Undertaker. So Undertaker getting a clothesline by Bret Hart could have been the other way around. Uh, and so it's too bad to, for me that Bret was this transitional champion. But it's also – this is such a weird time in the WWF that I can't really be that mad about it. Uh Plus, Bret Hart is going to lose the WWF title for the final time in a much more frustrating way. So, Chris, I love to. What, what do you think of Bret Hart being a one-day champion? And what did you think of this match? I'm sure at the time I would have been quite upset about it uh, that they would that they would do him like that. At, at, at the same time, I, I think it was uh, I think it was great. Uh, I was not expecting to tune in and see a title change. I thought that the odds of that happening were quite low and they right. set up nicely with Sid's knee being injured. So like, well, there's, there's already sort of a built in excuse for him to be able to lose um, while being relatively protected. So 
was not expecting that. Um, how they they did it with the, the chair on the head uh, and in a place where clearly people seem to really like Sid is uh, it all worked out very nicely. Yeah, it, it is funny how it's almost telegraphed how the match will end just because like how many times does Steve Austin get involved? And yet at the same time, it's still totally surprising. So I totally I totally get that there where it's like, oh, like if I didn't know that this was going to happen, would I have been surprised as well? I don't know. Maybe it's quite possible. Uh, so so, yeah. So, Chris, this would be a great time. I want to get your final thoughts on the show and, uh, and I'd love to get a rating as well. So we use a three tier rating system here on the podcast. If it's a bad show, we say it's in the dungeon. If it's kind of an ass show, you say it's in the Nightheart zone. If you say if it's a good show, it means you're giving it a TBT, ITBT, WTBT, EWB. That's the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Chris, your thoughts on the show and your rating? Oh, that's um, – I think it was a real success. You know, if we can forget about the Triple H Bart Gun match, like just accept that there's going to be a little bit of filler in there, uh, but concentrate on the strengths. Overall, I'd say this would be among the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. I wish I'd written down the acronym uh, in front of me to be able to have that. Uh, but a fantastic match. Uh, fantastic matches. Um, some future Hall of Famers in unexpected places. Um, yeah, what didn't it have? Great, great point, right? Like, I, I like the chaos of the two false starts. Uh, I like that. There's pieces being put in place for WrestleMania. I mean, we have, we have the main event of WrestleMania is established by the end of the show. Yeah. We have the Chicago Street Fight comes up. Uh, we have the seeds being planted for whatever Brett and Steve Austin are going to do. Hmm, whatever that'll be. And uh, I'm hoping the next two weeks are going to be even better for that build. Uh, but I'm going to give this, you know, I'll, I'll give it a, a mild TBT, ITBT, WTBT, EWB, uh, you know, big, big title match. I mean, part of me just has to also be like, ah, we covered an episode of Raw where Bret Hart loses the world championship. That's a bummer. Oh, everybody say, ah, 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 there we go. Thank you. So, folks, the next show we're going to be covering will be the February 24th, 1997 episode of Monday Night Raw. It is weird. It is uh, unusual because it's um, a bunch of ECW matches. Anyway, you'll hear more about that then because, anyway, it's weird. We also have a bonus match, and we'll be watching Bret Hart versus Terry Funk at Terry Funk WrestleFest 1997, September 1997. It's a show produced by ECW. It's Bret Hart wrestling as the WWF champion in a fairground situation. He gets back body dropped on the ground, and it's dirt, folks. How do you not want to see that? If you, if It's on your WWE Network. You search Bret Hart, Terry Funk. It's a fun match. We'll be talking about it next week on the show. So check that out alongside the February 24th, 1997 episode of Monday Night Raw. I'll talk more about that next week. Folks, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Smack Addict, Smack Addict Pod on there. Uh, you can share the show with a friend. You can also go on Apple Podcasts, write a review of us. And if you're nice to us, if it's a good review, maybe I might even read it on the show. Uh, it, it would be great if you did that. You can go right ahead. Uh, but, folks, the last, one of the last things I have to do here is also thank my pal and yours, Chris Demetrenko. Chris, thanks for coming on, buddy. It was quite a pleasure to talk about the show with you. Absolutely. And what an incredible match to watch. That's right. That's right. Check it out. Yeah, you check that Bret Hart Terry Funk match out, too. I want to hear your thoughts on it. So that'll be good. Uh, so, folks, uh, thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, I'm realizing that I should have tried to start this podcast on two separate occasions before successfully doing it at the end. Uh, but I think that would just probably cause 
Steve Austin would attack me, especially since this is coming out on 316. So uh, I guess in honor of Steve Austin, uh, if, if you like podcasting, and give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Talk to you next week.